Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the sickle toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live's live Monday night edition. With Mark. And Luther. And Julia. That's right. Doing the uh, the, the, the brother-sister crew here. It's Mar- awesome. Right. Oh, I almost said my, never mind. I almost said her last name. <laughs> <laughs> Something Mondays. I guess it really doesn't matter, but... You can give us a call at 855-450-3733. Before we get into any kind of show prep here on Free Talk Live, I do want to mention that we today is uh, day 41 of the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up, and there was a habeas corpus structuring meeting thing at the courthouse today. And so, you know, several of the activists that we could pry out of bed at 830 in the morning, which, you know, not a, not a big crew, uh, showed up. <laughs> To, at the uh, courthouse and here in Keene, New Hampshire, to find out what's going on. Uh, Mark Stevens from Adventures in Legal Land at markstevens.com. Um, he uh, was on the phone sort of doing the uh, lawyer and thing, although he's not a lawyer. He's representing, I guess, uh, in uh, in in friend, in kind. I'm not exactly sure what the, the terminology is for a civilian doing the uh, representing. But so um, – I guess they were they were trying to figure out whether or not they could do a habeas corpus hearing on when to schedule it. So this wasn't even one. And essentially, uh, Mark Stevens attempted to do his, um, you know, his thing where, you know, what's the jurisdiction of this court and that kind of thing, where he, you know, tries to uh, separate the land that is keen from the body politic that is keen. And uh, the judge just shut him down. Um, immediately and didn't let him get any further. So I don't know if that's an appealable thing, but, well, Ian's probably got about three weeks left in his sentence anyway, so you're going to have to appeal darn quick to uh, get him out any anytime soon. Uh, essentially, I think that there has to be some more paperwork filed. They, you know, the, the courts do this all the time. They, they make it very confusing if you are a person who is, uh, you know, not a lawyer. I think lawyers get to make all kinds of mistakes and who cares? But, uh, you know, the, the, the layman, if they, if they try to represent themselves, the, the, the court attempts to make it so entirely difficult to do that they, um, you know, that you, that you can't get it done. So I guess there's got to be some more paperwork filed and maybe something will happen, but, uh, you know, don't hold your breath so that's what happened today i know that folks are uh you know wanting to know also those that are keeping up with the dale farm incident over in the uk apparently there has been a stay for at least a couple of days and not kicking the uh the what travelers or gypsies or uh whatever term you want to use for the folks that have that land there aren't getting uh, kicked out so that's an interesting uh little update and last update apparently the strict eavesdropping rule is ruled unconstitutional in an Illinois case. This is uh, Illinois is one of the states, and I believe there's three of them that are absolutely crazy uh, about filming cops while on duty. One of them was Massachusetts, and the First Circuit, which is the smallest circuit, and it does cover Massachusetts and New Hampshire. This, you know, just slapped down uh, Massachusetts for its behavior as far as uh, trying to, you know, arrest people for wiretapping, for videotaping public servants on public property doing the public's work. Absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, the police unions and the uh, police chiefs association, they were all for this stuff, all for, well, in the case of the First Circuit. Breaking the law. You know, it's it's okay for cops to break the law as long as they break it. Well, as long as they don't like the law, then it's okay to break it. 
And that's what happened in the first uh, circuit here in the um, the Illinois case. The Illinois case. This is from rcfp.org, which I believe is. Uh, uh, the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. An Illinois judge ruled the state's eavesdropping law unconstitutional as applied to a man who faced up to 75 years in prison for secretly recording his encounters with police officers and a judge. Um, in the case of the police officers, it was on his property. A statute intended to prevent unwarranted – this is a quote from the, um, uh, the ruling here – a statute intended to prevent unwarranted intrusions into a citizen's privacy – cannot be used as a shield for public officials who cannot assert a comparable right of privacy in their public duties. A judge wrote in his decision dismissing the five counts of eavesdropping charges against defendant Michael Allison. Such action impedes the free flow of information concerning public officials and violates the First Amendment right to gather such information. And this, I would like to warn you folks, if you leave your First, your uh, uh, rights as outlined in the Constitution. I believe you have more rights than are outlined in the Bill of Rights. But, you know, whatever. If you leave your rights in the hands of public officials, they'll assume you don't have any. Mm-hmm. They assume that they own you. They, <laughs> I mean, what seems obvious that the First Amendment, the right to freedom of the press and the right to free speech, you know, and all these things, that you should be able to videotape your interactions with public officials. They say no. They were going to throw this. They would have happily thrown this man in prison for 75 years, not lost a lick of sleep because working for the government will slowly turn you into a sociopath. That's all I can come up with. I mean, if somebody can just sit there and say, well, it seems to be the case. I mean, I I can't think of any position, you know, whether you're just a lowly clerk up to, you know, a police officer or a judge. You know, it just seems so corrupting. Whereas even if I when I went down to the Superior Court. To try to get some papers, some paperwork done for Ian, the lady snapped at me instantly once she found out who I was getting paperwork for. Sure, you know they don't want you to have that paperwork. No, you know? they don't. Yeah, that's your job to do that. <laughs> but but you know when you when you put them into play, they 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 know they can treat you however they want at that window now because at this point the bailiffs in that that court area they don't like you. So you know they she, that lady can treat you any way she feels like, and she knows she'll get away with it. Mm-hmm. I um, had a girlfriend who used to work at the clerk of court's office, and she she would come home and talk about what a joy she had screwing with people who are trying to get work done. Wow! Um, at, with at the court, you know, I mean, it's it's fun to be snide. You know, I mean, if if you've got a sort of, a, I mean, they the way they set up these jobs. They make them so that you basically are an indentured servant. You can't leave because the benefits are so good. The pay isn't great. But it's those benefits. Yeah, yeah. When you retire, you'll be set. When you when you work there long enough, you really don't know how to work anymore anyway. Right. Because you know you're not you're not operating inside the marketplace where you're providing service for for value. You're working for the government where you're trying to provide as little service as possible in order to get you know what you get paid. I mean this is you know this is how it works in the military. This is how it works at the post office. This is how it works everywhere. Um, and especially if you've got an, some public uh, sector em, uh, employee union involved, then oh, you, they're really screwed. <laughs> so uh, you know I mean. This is the attitude that is created. Once you've been there for long enough, then you don't have the, you don't you don't even understand work ethic any longer, and the the public is a source of of irritation. They are not uh, you know where you make your money. 
once you have an employee like this in the uh, the free market that's working that you know gets this feeling they're behind the cash register an hourly employee that gets nasty with customers you fire them mm-hmm. and you well, get rid of them I, I was just gonna say I've certainly ex- I've worked in customer service for a long time and I have experienced this like wanting to mess with customers who are mean yep. but you can only take it so far because the second they call your boss out I mean you're in trouble and you can only get in trouble so many times for being mean to customers. Indeed. I've done it myself. You know, at a radio station, some lady called in um, and complained that the radio station wasn't coming in as it normally does on her radio. And I explained, and she wanted us to turn up the power. I, you know, I first I asked, well, what do you want us well, to do about that? Well, there's this big wheel we have in the back, <laughs> and you just turn it to the right. There actually is. Oh. Okay, <laughs> on then. On some transmitters, you can do that. Um, it doesn't work on every one of them. Usually the AMs that change up at night. This this one, I don't know if in that particular radio station, if that was the case. But, you know, I explained that this FM was broadcasting at, uh, I think it was 1,750 uh, 17,500 watts um, and that you know there was nothing we could do about it and she just wanted me to t- turn it up and I'm like well you Bring know I can't, turn, I can't do that and she wanted me to do it I'm like look only God and the FCC are the only ones that have any control over here call them goodbye and hung up on her and you know I mean maybe there was another way I could have handled it but this is what happens when you have employees as opposed to business owners dealing with folks. You don't get as good a service, and it's even worse dealing with the government. Um, you got a got a bad public, uh, public sector service story? 855-450-3733 on Free Talk Live. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that crap's going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack a day smoker will save $120 a month and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell. No secondhand smoke. You could use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855 to get vapor or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Monday edition of Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we all have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. It's freedomsphoenix.com. So, apparently the federal government's plan for making it illegal to make a fake name on the internet hasn't worked. Yes, as I understand it, story here from the Wall Street Journal, it is already illegal to make a fake name and re- represent yourself in a, in a fraudulent manner on the Internet. Imagine that President Obama could order the arrest of anyone who broke a promise on the Internet. So you would be jailed for lying about your age or weight on an Internet dating site, or you could be sent to federal prison if your boss told you to work, but you used the company's computer to check out sports scores online. Imagine that Eric Holder's Justice Department urged Congress to raise penalties for violations, making them felonies. 
allowing three years in jail for each broken promise. Fanciful, right? Think again. Congress is now poised to grant the Obama administration's wishes in the name of cybersecurity. The little-known law at uh, issue is called the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. It was enacted in 1986 to punish computer hacking, but Congress has broadened the law every few years, and today it extends far beyond hacking. The law now criminalizes computer use that extends authorized access to any computer. Today, that violation is a misdemeanor, but the Senate Judiciary Committee is set to meet this morning to vote it in, making it a felony. This, by the way, is from September the 14th. The problem is that a lot of routine computer uh, use can exceed authorized access. Courts are still struggling to interpret this language, but the Justice Department believes that it applies incredibly broadly to include terms of use violations and breaches of workplace of course they do. computer use policies. Yeah, we've seen um, that What in the case of the girl that committed suicide because another girl and her mom weirdos pretended to be some <laughs> fake boy um, fake boy online and then broke up with her and so she committed suicide as a result they went after the, her those folks over you know what uh, terms of use issues on uh, myspace i believe so really I mean, they didn't go after them for just being mean i mean <laughs> there is no mean law oh, sadly okay. <laughs> you know i mean it'd be one thing if it, well, it'd it's be like, one it's thing like, the, it's like arresting al capone for tax evasion yeah I'm speechless. Bre- uh, breaching an agreement or ignoring your boss might be bad, but should it be a federal crime just because it involves a computer? If interpreted this way, the law gives computer owners the power to criminalize any computer use they don't like. Imagine the Democratic Party setting up a political website announcing that no Republicans can visit. Every Republican who checked out the site would be a criminal for exceeding the authorized access. That's insane. Yes. But... This is exactly the kind of thing that the, the government's already doing. It's already a misdemeanor. They're just expanding it to being a felony now. So this means if you go online and Facebook and you make up some fake name because you want to, I don't know, harvest twice, twice as many uh, rutabagas in Farmville, <laughs> now you have broken the law. And right now it's a misdemeanor, but the federal prosecutors aren't going after them because, well, it's not worth it for misdemeanors. You know, making up a fake name on Facebook is really not unreasonable in any way. Facebook. I do it. Well, I don't, you know what I mean? But sometimes I think about it because I think Facebook crosses a lot of borders that didn't don't really need. I mean, you've got friends that you work with, yep. family, friends that you party with, all can view the same thing unless and unless you really take time to edit your security features and stuff. It's just a lot of like you shouldn't know this about my life when I work and you know what I mean? So, I mean, I know a ton of people who have fake names because they don't want people that they work with looking them up and seeing what they do sure, on the weekends. Sure. And even potential employees, employers will do it uh, as a background check. They'll uh, type in your name into the Facebook thing and see what they come up with. If yeah. you're, Profiles. If right. there's pictures of you with a big blunt in your mouth or what? Could be a problem. You know, and, and some people haven't figured out how to, to set the uh, settings on their profiles so that people can't look at it if they, um, you know, if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Some people want to leave their uh, profiles open. And that's, you know, that's fine by me. But, you know, why can't you create two Facebook accounts, one for work, you know, one for sort of uh, your, you know, sort of work life and one for your party life or whatever i don't care it yeah. doesn't matter or, to me. Or what if you're someone like me who's known by my nickname mainly through this radio show sure i mean 
when sometimes when people call me by my real name, others get confused. They're like, wait, what did they call you? Right. So, I mean, you know, that's absolutely the case. So do you have two accounts? One for... No, I just have the one. I see. I, and I've, I've actually always had a fake name. Even back when... In, back in the days of MySpace... You know, yeah, I used a fake name as well because I, I don't know, I kind of like having that privacy where I can sort of control who searches for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I like that people from my past life, you know, whether it was uh, high school or whatever, can uh, can can look me up, and you know, it's, it's yeah. nice that they can do such a thing. But... And I don't want people I knew in high school looking <laughs> me up. I'm I'm with him. <laughs> I, I'm over it. Gotcha. Well. I'm farther from high school than you are, so maybe <laughs> it's it, true. Maybe, maybe it's different for me. But I certainly don't think that you making up some name that isn't precisely. You know what? Now that I think about it, I've got a fake name on the internet. Manwich. No, no. Oh. I mean, uh, his, my, his name is not oh, his real right. name. My, my Mark that's Edge right. is not my real name. I use it so much, it feels like it, and so many people know me by it. But well, I guess this comes down to what is a real name. So you're telling me on the radio and all these news guys and all these actors and actresses, I mean, most of these actors and actresses, as a matter of fact, yeah. you can't join uh, Martin the Screen Sheen. Actors Guild with your real name if some actor has your real name that's already. That's why Michael J. Fox is Michael J. Fox. Because somebody else had Michael Fox? There was already a Michael Fox, yeah. Interesting. And, and, and Charlie Sheen? His name's not Charlie Sheen. It's Charlie Estevez. Is that... Yeah. Oh, so Emilio had uh, the real... Okay, I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. even know that. So is it Martin Sheen's real name is Sheen? No, no, no. Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen are both Martin and Charlie Estevez. Interesting. And they actually have a brother named Joe Estevez who's been in all these really crappy B-movies, most of which you can see on Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> does, he, does he look like his brothers? Yes. I see. It's interesting. Yes. I had no idea. So... In, in the real world, you can pretend to be somebody else, but online, if you pretend to be somebody else... Then it's fraud. You know what this really reminds me of is, I'm sure some of you remember AOL, like 1995. I, I mean, that's what we Version did for 3. fun. 0. Right. Well, that's what we did for fun, was make fake names and like talk to people. Yeah. Be somebody else. Yeah. I mean, kids have done that for a very long time. You know, mm -hmm. go online and talk to lonely guys who are looking for 18-year-old hot girls or something like that. Yeah. They were more like 13-year-old, maybe not so hot girls, but whatever. No, but I'm just saying you'd, you'd, <laughs> oh. have, a, uh, you'd, be, you'd be, have a you know picture of Pamela Anderson and claim to right. be that. A-S-L. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what was done. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I couldn't find out whether or not this thing got passed, but it's already bad that it's a misdemeanor. Uh, if you found, if you can find out some way or another this got passed, and you think that this is fair, or you think this is fair, please give us a call. Let us know. Free Talk Live eight five five four five zero three seven three three. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Refrigerated Cookie Dough. Who would you bake some love for? Find fun and easy baking ideas at tollhouse.com. Kids love doing arts and crafts projects, especially when you join in. Try channeling all that artistic energy into the kitchen and bake up some creative treats together. Think of your art supplies as the frosting, sprinkles, and decorating gels, and use cookies or cupcakes as your canvas. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Free Talk Live, 
855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450, excuse me, 8, 450-373. Really liking that Chinese food, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, it was, you got to wolf it down during the breaks. It's not like uh, eating a normal meal where that's you true. just leisurely eat what you want. That's that's the radio business for you. Uh, it's a couple businesses. I know what that's like. <laughs> so, if you're a cigarette smoker, I was too for many years, you know that it's not so good for your health. It's a, there is a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier by some accounts, Vaporsmiths.com. They make one of the <clears throat> premier uh, cigarette vaporizers on the market today. So you'll already start saving about $120 a month just by switching to an e-cigarette, and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth, no more secondhand smoke, um, no more smell, and you can use it just about anywhere. Also, you can get a free starter kit by going to vaporsmiths.com and purchasing 40 cartomizers. They have uh, the deal there. You can get uh, 40, you buy 40 cartomizers, you get a free starter kit. And since the order is over $60, I believe it's $69, you'll get free shipping. All you have to do is use coupon code FTL. Go to vaporsmiths.com, use coupon code FTL, or call 855 get vapor. Vaporsmiths.com, 855 get vapor. Chris, speaking of folks faking things. I'm sorry. Luther? <laughs> Luther, speaking of people uh, faking things online? Um, yes. Uh, teen girl faked cancer to collect $17,000 in donations. Wow. Yeah. Oh, at 18, Ruth Angelica Gomez has already come up with a way to make thousands of dollars and succeed where many people twice her age have failed. It's too bad that her plan was illegal and utterly despicable. <laughs> you know, illegal? Who cares? Wrong? Horrible? Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, I this mean, is fraud. I mean, this isn't like, uh, you know, selling dime bags a pot. Yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, this, she's committed fraud, too. I, I, yeah. You know, she's lied to people. and It's horrible. Absolutely. It's horrible. Um, much like the people who use fake breast cancer charities as a front to make themselves richer, Gomez allegedly collected $17,000 in donations after lying about suffering from leukemia. Excuse me, well, leukemia. Wait a, wait a second. The, the people that do, that use uh, oftentimes many legitimate companies... I'll admit they seem they may seem a little shady, but many legitimate companies will front for charities when they do collection, uh, you know, collecting, you know, fundraising. I should call it fundraising. the The reason being is because a charity is a charity, and it may or may not be good at fundraising. Sure. They can hire a company that is good at fundraising that will couple with the charity, take a portion, and then give another give you know the rest to the sh- the charity. That is legitimate. Whereas people that just walk around and say, you know, I'm raising for breast cancer and don't give the money to the Breast Cancer Foundation or whatever, they're not. Yep. So it turns out this girl made one huge mistake. Nine months ago, she announced she'd be dead in six months. And yet, Oops. here she is. Yep. The Associated Press reports that today police charged Gomez with theft by uh, deception for collecting donations under false pretenses. The scope of her alleged lies is shocking. Police starting... Uh, police starting investigating. I think it's supposed to be started investigating her. In sometimes June. the addiction's bad on these uh, these stories. Yeah, I know. Uh, in June, when someone complained that she didn't appear to be sick, now a police spokeswoman said, uh, "We haven't found anything that indicates that she doesn't have leukemia, or that she does have leukemia." I mean, um, Gomez graduated from high school in Horizon City, Texas, in June 2010. Gomez told her church that the cancer she battled for 11 years of her childhood was back. And even worse than before. Um, in an interview with the El Paso Times in March, she said that she'd practically lived at 
the Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City during her early years, and had also is been, that true? Um, I, I don't see that here. Maybe it mentions it further down in the article. Uh, but the the impression I'm getting is that these are not true. This I'm I think these are the extent of the lie, like how deep her lie ran. You know, this is the problem with telling lies is that it has to get deeper and deeper. You yeah, know, I yeah. mean, you claim to have and, leukemia. And the lines just get so fuzzy between truth and, and the lie. And I'm sure if you're the one making the lies, even sometimes you forget which is real. It's one thing sitting in the bar claiming to be an astronaut. It's another thing if you've got to keep on, <laughs> somebody keeps on asking you right. questions about astronaut training. You'd be surprised how, how, how often that works for me. <laughs> Girls <laughs> love the, the astronauts. Do you, do you meet the height requirements for astronauts? No. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you did this in a place like Keene, you would have to move away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, just the consequences of getting caught lying like this. I mean, you are scum. Who would ever associate with you again? This is, this is. I'm afraid, one of the bad things about the Internet. And one of the reasons that, uh, you know, these the, the federal government wants to make misrepresenting things online a felony is because of things like this. But... It's not going to solve the problem. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's really I, a bad solution. Uh, yeah, it really is because it's it's too all encompassing and it doesn't allow for the situational uh, situation. Right. The, uh, you know, <laughs> it's sad that um, you know folks will say bad things online and that kind of thing. But also, when you put the government in charge, they'll end up doing things like they did with these eavesdropping laws that I, we just reported on in the uh, first segment. The eavesdropping laws were meant to protect people who didn't believe, didn't know that they were being recorded, and the cops began to apply it to themselves when they did know they were being recorded, or when they were being recorded doing their job, which is being a public servant on public property, working for public time, as if you have some kind of reasonable expectation of privacy. So the government's always going to expand whatever it does, and that's the reason I don't want the government, you know, I want people to figure out that folks tell lies online. And before you send money to somebody... It just just takes critical thinking skills. Absolutely. There's a lot of trolls on the internet that are going to tell you lies in order to get your sympathy, get you to talk to them, send them money, whatever it is. They want you to do it. Yep. So it continues. uh, Shortly after declaring her leukemia was back, she told Nicole Matsuda, a a youth leader at at First Methodist Church... That her parents had kicked her out. Matsuda said she could stay with her family for a few weeks, but that turned into six months. Now I hear that she told uh, her parents that one of my children was sick and that I needed her to come help me, says Matsuda. She believed Gomez could be ill because uh, she was pale and thin and she would she would be weak, always sleeping. So it sounds like she was just lazy. <laughs> lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Never get out in the sun. Occasionally, Gomez would have people drive her to the nearby hospital for treatment, but she was always she would always tell them not to wait for her because she didn't want to impose. So, what? Just get dropped off at the hospital? That's sort True. of a red flag yeah. for me. Gonna go to Wendy's and have lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wendy's. Yeah, right. She's probably going to Shayla Sweet. I don't know. I mean, it depends the- on how. If she saves this money up, she could be in pretty good shape. Yeah. Uh, in the How much was it again that she has? Uh, Seven. 17000 You know what the sad thing is? Is that 17000 is not that much money. Yeah. Like, that, it seems like it. As a 17 or 18-year-old, it's a it's, lot of jack, It's a though. lot of money, but it's not even, like, it's half of a general average Joe's salary per year. You know what I mean? Like, yep. was was that worth everybody hating yeah, you and being outed as a scumbag? Yeah. In addition to the jail. 
Yeah. Yeah. It ain't pretty. Yep. So in the spring, Gomez founded an organization called Achieve the Dream Foundation and started collecting money to help children with cancer. Oh, I see. So it's not just her. Yeah, that ain't going to be pretty. Go ahead. Uh, well, it doesn't say if there's anyone else involved. I mean... No, I mean, the, so the, it's to help children oh, with okay. cancer. Oh, yes, yes, so yes. So the suggestion is that the, she's just helping right. all kinds of kids and, in fact, keeping so, the money even. So she gave motivational speeches and students at a nearby high school threw a prom party slash fundraiser for her. Oh, my. After she said she missed her senior prom because she was receiving treatment. Wow, so she got, probably got two problems out of that. Oh, God. In a photo on the organization's website, Gomez wears a shirt featuring the organization's logo and a and the line. <laughs> Did you get that from Cafe Press? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Behind, here, here's, their, here's their motto. Behind every fighter, there's a supporter. Will you be mine? That's a pretty good motto. Yeah, yeah. Especially if your goal is just to collect money. <laughs> yeah, well. mm. Where are her, her parents? They didn't notice that she, like, they never... Caught she on that she was 18. Yeah. <laughs> Going to help a fr- friend out by living at their but house. You know, and it's what's funny is this happened in a TV show called Arrested Development. A girl uh, did this. She fit, pretended to be her own twin sister with cancer. Oh. Or, no, no, no. She had a, a disease called BS. Oh, God. <laughs> well, this, this, this disease certainly was BS. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think that uh, should happen to this lady? I, I got no idea. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Liberty Maniacs is the largest online Liberty brand. Featured the most comprehensive selection of original posters, stickers, apparel, embroidered hats, and over 100 different products from around the world. From hilarious satire to hard-hitting artistic commentary, Liberty Maniacs is devoted to outfitting the Liberty movement with intelligent, eye-catching, and fashionable gear that expresses your personal dedication to Liberty. Best of all, Liberty Maniacs offers a no-hassle money-back guarantee on all products. LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on the live Monday edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you and Cosmonaut Luther <laughs> and Julia. Maybe <laughs> forget my name. <laughs> Don't even know what to say after that kind of nonsense. No. <laughs> you know, I actually do have something to say. I can't believe you didn't bring it up, actually, Chris. But it's Luther. Sorry, <laughs> it is International Talk Like a Pirate Day. It Gar. is. Yes, I Let did it not be. know that. Yeah, I did not know that. Ugh. I wish I was good at talking like a pirate. I am not. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have the energy for that either. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's only funny when it's funny, you know. And and doing the the whole radio show wouldn't be funny. Right? No, it would not. But uh, it would be really hard, actually. It would be exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to say anything in pirate except for arg and yar. I think that's really it. <laughs> yeah, people landlubbers. <laughs> So um, we were talking about this girl that apparently faked cancer in order to uh, get to get some sympathy and 17,000 sweet buckaroonies. Um, And we didn't really propose any sort of uh, free market solutions uh, for this situation. Guys got any? I mean, what 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 should this gal's punishment be? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Maybe she should get cancer. (laughs) I don't know that you can give it to her. Joking about cancers. Cancer's not good yeah. stuff. No. I don't think uh, I'd even wish that upon her. Yeah, no. yeah. Uh, well, obviously, like, this is so early in her life to have made a mistake like this. Like you said earlier, Julia, uh, if this happens in somewhere in Keene, she would have to leave town. Yeah. 
you know, like she, this is a mark that's going to stay with her for the rest of her life, probably that she, she's a liar. You are a liar. You know, and not just like I got caught lying about, I, I don't know. Something little. Yeah. yeah right. I mean, right. this is a this is huge. Big. I'm a D cup, not right. a C cup, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when I think about situate like dumb things I did when I was a, a young person, like sometimes I'll, I'll have like a memory where I, I lied or I was mean and it bothers oh, me. Oh man. Does right, it like, ever. Like mm-hmm. I'll be like, gosh, I can't believe I would act that way. Like now it's just, I, I really feel bad. Like if I saw this person today, I would apologize to them. Yeah. You know, sure. how could I have acted I, like that? I, I, this kind of an action that is going to haunt you. I would agree. Maybe not now or in a few years. I, I but wonder what kind of a girl, what kind of a person this girl was that she would be driven to do this at, at 18. Well, a lot of times uh, people that tell lies are usually quite smart. Um, sure. You know, a lot of times you'll talk about uh, somebody who's able to keep a lie going like this. Yeah. Is all, uh, to keep is, it going for nine months like this, she yeah. would have to have some intelligence. Right. And so they um, they tend to believe that they are smarter than the rest of the world and therefore they can get away with these kind of things. You know, the world is stupid and all that. And it. It, it's a good lesson to learn. Hopefully you learn it before you tell the giant lie that I have cancer and you raise uh, $17,000 uh, um, from people fraudulently. I would have to say that I, you know, if, I had, if I were the arbitrator sitting on this case, I would uh, demand that she donate $17,000. All the money she's got needs to go to a, uh, a particular cancer charity. Uh, yeah, a real uh, cancer I was going to say the same thing. Sure. And um, she needs to come up with and make up the rest of it at some point, you know, in some, some amount per month. Um, and, you know, that's uh, then the rest of the consequences can be hers to deal with. I know that she did this through fraud and that kind of thing. But the reason I see because because she's so young and I think that this is still sort of a learning situation, the people that donated you know, $17,000 to a girl that has cancer and don't have any kind of, you know, proof to back it up, maybe they're somewhat culpable in this circumstance, too. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying, you know, you shouldn't just give to people online. But apparently she raised from people, you know, in her church and at schools and all kinds of crazy stuff, too. So the girl's a good liar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that the $17,000, if she gives it to a uh, cancer you know, foundation or whatever, that that would be good enough. And then she just has to live with the consequences of telling lies. She's not going to have enough money to move anytime soon. So sure. 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 Do you think, do you think maybe she did it because, uh, uh, almost, uh, there seems to be almost like a fear of, uh, not having any real marketable job skills, you know, and, you know, when you're young, uh, the future, you know, and your career path is very intimidating. It can be. So, like, do you think maybe she just saw this as an easy way out? Sure. Okay. I mean, it could be, could very well be that. Uh, it could be that she wants, wanted the attention. You get a lot of attention when you got cancer. Sure, sure do. Yep. So. I would say it's probably a combination of all of those things. Yeah. And uh, now she sees what the consequences are, telling big, fat lies. Yes. So, Julia, gamers solve... Yes, I have a an interesting story here. The time from, cube? Is that what they saw? <laughs> yes, very similar. This is called the Cosmic Log at msnbc.com. I don't know why. Apparently it's about science and space and stuff. But well, they had to have a stampy name, yes, I guess. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Gamers Solve Molecular Puzzle That Baffled Scientists. Video game players have solved a molecular puzzle that stumped scientists for years, and those scientists say the accomplishment could point the way to crowd-sourced cures for AIDS and other diseases. Oh, my. Yeah, so this isn't just a puzzle. 
It's a very important puzzle, apparently. Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, sounds like they may have uh, figured out a new way to solve stuff. I don't know. I mean, for one, it's framing the question in a way that people can answer it, and I think that that's probably going to be the real trick. Right. But it's interesting already. This is this is one small piece of the puzzle in being able to help with AIDS. A biochemist at the University of Washington told me he is the lead author of a research paper on the project, published today by Nature Nature Structural and Molecular Biology. This feat, which was accomplished using a collaborative online game called Fold It, is also one giant leap for citizen science. A burgeoning field, I feel sure. dumb for not knowing that word, but I've never seen throwing. it before, yeah. <laughs> uh, that enlists internet users to look up, look for alien planets, decipher ancient texts. Right, we've, we've seen them like find things on the moon or Mars or something like that. Uh, really interesting stuff. I, I've never heard of it before, but... People have spatial reasoning skills, something that computers are not good at yet. Seth Cooper, a uh, UW computer scientist who is Foldit's lead designer and developer, explained in a news release. Games provide a framework for bringing together the strengths of computers and humans. Very interesting. I like that kind of stuff. Well, pretty pretty soon we'll all be cyborgs anyway. Right. I'm waiting for my robot brain. Oh, look, you carry a smartphone already. You're half robot. Yeah, that's true. Yep. For more than a decade, an international team of scientists has been trying to figure out the detailed molecular structure of a protein-cutting enzyme from an AIDS-like virus found in monkeys. Such enzymes, known as retrovirus, retroviral. Retroviral. Yeah. Uh, I went to public school, so you know I'm an average. <laughs> it, these science average are reader. It, I know it, it, it'd be even worse if it was uh, uh, you know it had a bunch of Arabic names in it too. I mean that yeah. makes it really oh, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, play a key role in the virus's spread, and if medical researchers can figure out their structure, they could conceivably design drugs to stop the virus in its tracks. The strategy has been compared to designing a key to fit one of Mother Nature's locks. The problem is that the enzymes are far tougher to crack than your typical lock. There are millions of ways that the bonds between the atoms and the enzymes molecules could twist and turn. To design the right chemical key, you have to figure out the most efficient, lowest energy configuration for the molecule, the one that Mother Nature herself came up with. Wow, that Seems is a real very puzzle. complicated. Yes, but, but I mean, you know, these lots of people love these puzzles. Many video games are based on puzzles, and this is oh, just yeah. a, you know, this is a puzzle that really, really works. And uh, you know, I, I imagine that people, if they can work together, figure out portions of it to get. I, I mean, I don't know. This is amazing. Well, it's gonna. It starts talking about the game here. It says that's where Fold It plays a role. The game is designed so that players can manipulate virtual molecular structures that look like multicolored. Curled up Tinker Toys. Remember Tinker Toys? Yeah, I thought Tinker Toys were... Okay, yeah. They're, you're thinking yeah. of Lincoln Logs. Yeah, you're right. Tinker exactly Toys. what I was thinking of. <laughs> Tinker <laughs> Toys are like, sticks that fit together with, like, with wheels. Those, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. The virtual molecules follow the same chemical rules that are obeyed by the real molecules. When somebody playing the game comes up with a more elegant structure that reflects a lower energy state for the molecule, his or her, her score goes up. If the structure requires more energy to maintain, or if it doesn't reflect real-life chemistry, then their score is lower. More than 236,000 players have registered for the game since its debut in 2008. The monkey virus puzzle was one of several unsolved molecular mysteries that colleagues uh, at the university 
uh, Frank DiMaio recently tried to solve using a method that took the advantage of a protein-folding computer program called Rosetta. This is one of the cases where his method was not able to solve it. Fortunately, the challenge fit the current capabilities of the Foldit game, so they put the puzzle out there for Foldit's team to work on. This was really kind of a last-ditch effort. Can the Foldit players really solve it? And they could. They wow. did it in less than 10 days. Wow! The scientists have been working on this for years, and the gamers figured it out in 10 days. Wow. That is crazy. It's incredible. <laughs> so now all they have to do is frame these questions that they have in the right way so right. this game can address it. And if the, the game can address it, then people are going to solve all kinds of problems. Oh, wow, this is really... It's, I mean, this it's is, great. It's incredible. I, I can't think of any uh, issue that might be involved here. Do you hate people who solve diseases? Cohen. There's got to be someone out there. <laughs> God wants us to die of these diseases. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you'd like, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. Free Talk Live has a completely interactive website. Also, it's all free. You can go to freetalklive.com and uh, upload stories or blog posts or whatever you think are uh, you know relevant things that... Folks that go to freetalklive.com would be interested in. People can vote up your entries. You can vote up other people's entries. Vote them down. It's one big voting bonanza there at freetalklive.com. Julia, we were talking about this uh, situation where apparently gamers online are solving molecular puzzles that uh, were stumping scientists. And this is amazing. And, And for me... Technology really lights the path uh, to hope for humankind. I don't have a lot of faith in governments and interactions and with with people and, and things like that. People seem to to, to fall back on government. Um, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, government's just a an agency of force, and so therefore people fall back on using violence to get what they want from people. That's how we were raised. It's all we know. Indeed it is. And, and, you know, slowly we're coming out of it. You know, slavery has been largely abolished, at least in the Western world, Um, you know, chattel slavery. And we're slowly coming out of this. But I think technology is going to increase that over time simply because governments are extraordinarily inefficient organizations that cannot keep up with technological innovation. Thank goodness. And I think that the biggest single biggest way that they're going to be able to out be outclassed is by the extension of life. Um, if people can extend their own lives, they can, uh, you know, they, they can learn more lessons throughout it, which is, you know, a government's inefficient and not a particularly good organization to solve uh, these problems. And over time, they'll, they'll, they'll figure that out. And so whenever I see something that's, you know, markedly increasing life, I think that that's, uh, that, that's really great. And it sounds like this is uh, something that's going to be doing that. You know, when I pulled this article up, it was like, gamers solve puzzle that scientists have been stumped with for years and i my first thought was some well, like euclidean kind of puzzle well, that yeah you know, i mean I, I was like i i like this because you know i hear a lot of people especially people that are a little older than myself but still my generation i hear them say it you know kids today all they do is play video games they don't play outside like i used to 
Uh, you know, and it's always like... I couldn't tell you whether kids play outside. I mean, the kids that I know do play outside, right. so I don't know. I mean, and I did both. I played video games and I played outside. It depends on a lot of different things. But, you know, when in my generation, I'm older than you, both of you guys, um, we played outside and watched television. Yeah. My friends and I would, uh, our star blazers uh, was one of the uh, cartoons that we would not miss and um, Robotech and, you know, every day at this time we were going to watch this. Yeah, my grandmother wanted us to go out and play and we certainly did go out and play, but we also had our favorite TV shows. As far as I'm concerned, a video game is far better for you than a TV far show. Far more interactive. Yeah, I mean, you're you're doing things, you're, you're, sure, your brain's sure, engaged. Sure, sure, and whenever I would hear people say that video games are just garbage and junk you know i always think well wait a minute it has uh uh it improves your hand eye coordination skills which is not something everybody is good at it it you have to have good uh, spatial reasoning skills which this article kind of mentioned that computers can't aren't good with spatial reasoning right uh, and, you know, humans are like the, a lot of these are traits that uh, humans used when they were hunters. Sure. You know, and, and now and you don't really have much use for that. A lot of people, I think their biggest problem with video games often is the sort of inherent violence of the video game. And I can see why it upsets people. I get it. But I, I at the same but time. But then you play the game. Yeah. The, yeah, the yeah. And then you know well, why. I, I think Dave Chappelle made fun of this really well when uh, the big stink was going on about Grand Theft Auto and how violent and realistic it was and how people were using it to plot out murders. That, oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did a skit where that made fun of uh, Grand Theft Auto and it just... It was. Ex- it looked exactly like the game. It looked nothing like real life. Like when he presented it in that way, it showed what a farce that theory is. So, um, I, 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 tell me about this skit. I don't know. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I, I imagine other people don't. So basically, like the way that you walk in the game, he yeah. would, he would imitate that, and then like he would just pull out a gun, and it would just like appear in his hand, and it was funny because that's not what really happened. So he was like cycling through them and like grenade, <laughs> assault rifle, you know, and then he would like shoot the guy. The guy would fall down, disappear, and his money would be there on the ground. Sweet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nothing like real life at all. So, and I think if. As someone who plays violent video games, for sure, I I can tell the difference between reality and, and fantasy. I, well, you know, I think most people can. I mean, certainly most people can. Penn and Teller on on their show BS actually did an episode on violent video games, and they took a ten year old who loved violent video games, and in a very safe environment with all the protective gear and everything else, they put a real assault rifle in his hands and he shot it one time and then he went and cried (laughs) in the corner because it bothered him how loud it was, how strong it was. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, they show this little boy hugging his mom in the corner because he's terrified of the real gun. Sure. So to suggest that, you know, it's anything like, Picking up a real gun and shooting it is just mm-hmm. crazy. One thing I have seen, though, is that when people watch the uh, the Bruce Lee movies, probably Jet Li, too, um, and they they see the, you know, the, and the wrestling and that, that sort of thing, is they want to, especially boys, will want to imitate the moves that they have seen. Oh, sure. We used to do that when we were kids. We would spar, you know, and, you know, be cheesy about it, you know, all the hi-yahs yeah. and stuff like that. That's fun. Kids oh, recover yeah, sure. easily, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're from physical pain, they just <laughs> bounce right back up. I always used, I never broke a bone in my life, and I used to roughhouse like you wouldn't believe. I've fallen out of trees and off roofs and 
all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I you know, I mean, I, I think that that's probably the single biggest thing that concerns parents, though. They know that this this happens, and then they see kids playing video games, which looks a lot like TV, mm-hmm. and they assume that um, you know they're going to do that. And I, I I I can only I don't know what that game is where the two people fight. Um, you know, in Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. I don't. You know, those aren't my kind. We of We weren't games. allowed to play it. Yeah, our parents wouldn't let us play Too it because it had blood. Okay. Yep. Well. Um, you know, I don't know if kids do the Mortal Kombat stuff. I would assume they do and, you know, do some of the moves. The ones that you can. You can't jump up in the air and put your fist down. You mean fully, I can't? <laughs> through someone's heart. I can't shoot an ice ball at you and make you freeze and... <laughs> But, you know, when I was a kid, it was Star Wars. And, you know, the Sarlacc sure. pit was out in the backyard and, you know, <laughs> shooting lightsabers. Up people. Up. Absolutely. You pick Those up a stick things and are dangerous. Lightsabers. You pick up a stick and you start whacking each other with it. Two young boys hitting each other with sticks. is It's, it's not going to be pretty pretty soon. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the swords generally have this uh, pommel, this uh, guard that prevents the, the, the sword from sliding down and striking your hand so that you're not easily disarmed. You know, there's a reason for these things, but mm-hmm. a stick, on the other hand, doesn't come this way. Sure, <laughs> so sure. they have a tendency to slide down. They strike your hand. It hurts. I think what's interesting is that even hunter-gatherer societies, uh, children will play like this in a sort of f- playful, violent manner. Yeah. You know, like they'll make their own spears, you know, and pretend to kill things with it. Young boys, it doesn't take too long for them to. I mean, even if you give them, uh, you know, girls' tools, pretty pretty soon they will take Barbie, bend her in half, and use her as a pistol. And I mean, that's you know, that's that's what's going to happen if you have young boys around. I don't know if it's uh, nature or nurture or what it is, but mm-hmm. it seems to be the reality of the situation. Sure. Let's go on with the story if we could. Okay. Uh, so we were talking about how uh, there was this molecular puzzle and the video game. The gamers, they solved it in 10 days, and the scientists have been working on this for years. When they put it in this game context, all of a sudden it worked. So one floppy loop of the molecule visible on the left side of this image is particularly tricky to figure out. But players belonging to the Folded Contenders group worked as a tag team to come up with an incredibly elegant low-energy model for the monkey virus enzyme. Standard auto-building and structure refinement models methods showed within hours that the solution was almost certainly correct the researchers reported in the paper published today using the folded solution the final refined structure was completed only a few days later uh, the researchers said that seattle's team's collaborator collaborators in poland were in such a celebratory mood that they insisted on organizing a champagne toast Shared over a Skype video teleconference. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great, this is really a great story. Yeah, and these people really solved something amazing, and they laid the groundwork and the foundation for solving lots more problems. Imagine if they can make video game interfaces that allow, I mean, all kinds of different different video game interfaces that allow the you know solving of all kinds of problems. Medical science will leap forward. Yeah. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com slash LC9.
Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. Again, 1-855-450-3733. Here on Free Talk Live, we advise you to get gold and silver as, well, either a hedge against inflation, investment, barter currency. I think it's good to have precious metals for all of these reasons. Obviously, we're not financial experts, and frankly, the financial experts are lying to you anyway. So uh, you've got to make your own decisions in in this world. But if you want to uh, get some gold and silver, I believe they're going to continue to go up. You probably believe the same thing. Well, you need to buy as low as you can. Gold.freetalklive.com is set up so that you can get gold and silver at the best prices that we've been able to uh, provide you. On the internet, gold.freetalklive.com, or we've got a telephone number there. You can call in and uh, reserve your gold or silver. It's gold.freetalklive.com. It's a great opportunity. Make some money because it's probably going to continue to go up. Gold.freetalklive.com. So, Julia, we're uh, talking about this uh, gaming situation where uh, these folks are apparently solving molecular puzzles that have stumped scientists for mm, quite a long time. I mean, basically what they did is they just spoke to them in their language, right? Yep. Apparently this game, Fold It, was, uh, had a community of almost 300,000 people. I, I, don't, I barely understand how the game works, but, it, but apparently they molded this problem that they'd had uh, with a molecule that is very similar to the AIDS virus that's found in monkeys. And these scientists have been trying to find... A, They've been trying to, I think they said they were trying to figure out like certain energy levels. It's very scientific, sure. but with the molecule, because they believe that if they could figure it out, they could figure out a way to stop it. And uh, these video game players were able to do it in 10 days. Yeah, something that stumped uh, scientists for, what well, I don't know how long, but years, and uh, the video gamers were able to do it in 10 days. And this kind of makes me wonder, you know, they found, I, I think... As I recall, and I, this may this is just coming out of my mind here, the Rosetta Stone, um, which is you know this cuneiform tablet that has three different languages on it, or something Ancient like that. Ancient Egyptian, Greek, and something else, and it was basically how what archaeologists use to decipher uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics. Finally, maybe uh, you know maybe I'm thinking of a different uh, thing then, but there was this document in cuneiform or whatever this large tablet in cuneiform that they hadn't been able to figure out what it said at all and i'll bet you that now they can you know it's all they need to do is get these uh, ancient languages put in put them in some kind of game interface and gamers will figure it out mm-hmm. instead of uh, you know just leaving it to scientists to figure out do this crowdsourcing thing and uh, let people have an opportunity to uh, to solve it for themselves well and if you think about gamers, I mean, people, if if you call yourself a gamer, I would say that you're really into video games. Like, I wouldn't call myself a gamer, and I do enjoy video games, but I don't play religiously. And I know plenty of people who can get sucked yeah, into these yeah, video games for, I mean, 10 hours straight and not leave the computer to eat. Oh, yeah. yeah. And not even, not even just playing it, but they know, like who made the games, you know, and when new games are coming out, when updates are coming out, you know, they're they're always on the edge of what's happening in in the gaming world, these gamers. I, uh, you know, I, I've certainly spent my time sitting in front of televisions for a long period of time when a good game has come out, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I, I honestly haven't played video games in probably a couple of years now, and I don't know why, what changed in my mind, but I just haven't really been doing it. Yeah. Yeah, but- I mean, I'm just way too busy, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely lower on the list of priorities for me as well. But these people here are, you know, I would imagine that these 
gamers that they're talking about are very passionate and they're very uh, competitive. You know what I mean? And and because they had that energy, they were able to solve this in in ten days. It's it's really w- wonderful. I yeah. mean, I mean, AIDS. It, they've been talking about trying to find a cure for AIDS as long as I've been alive. And this could this very well could put them on the path to doing it. And certainly that path will be made easier if there's some kind of problem that stumps them. They can uh, you know put some kind of game interface uh, together and and solve that. And how many other scientists are going to see this? And get involved and, you know, solve their problems in the same way. You know, I mean, it, it's going to cut down on experimentation, which takes a long time. It's very interesting. They've been working on this for years. Yeah. I mean, uh, so to finish up the article, it says, although much attention has recently been given to the potential of crowdsourcing and game playing, this is the first instance that we are aware of in which online gamers solved a longstanding scientific problem. The part of the molecule that formed the floppy loop turned out to be of particular interest. These features provide exciting opportunities for the design of drugs, including AIDS drugs. The monkey virus puzzle solution demonstrates that Folded and other science-oriented video games could be used to address a wide range of other scientific challenges, ranging from drug development to genetic engineering for future biofuels. My hope is that scientists will see this research and give us more of those cases. He's not alone in that hope. Foldit shows that a game can turn in then can turn novices into domain experts capable of producing first class scientific discoveries. Jeez. Zoran Popovic, director of University Washington's Center for Game Science, said today in the news, we are currently applying the same approach to change the way math and science are taught in school. Now I like to hear stuff like this. Because I hated science class in school, and science is fascinating. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. But I could not get excited about some old dude reading leave, a textbook up there. Leave it to public school to, uh, and, and, and frankly, uh, I, as, as far as I'm concerned, the classroom experience is only good for some people. And frankly, it's only good if done well. So the idea that you're going to put all kids in one kind of experience and they're going to learn yeah. best that way is absolutely insane. And have them insanity. only interact with People who are their age, you know, as opposed to people of many ages, you know, to yep. get that wide variety of experience. Well, schools throughout the, you know, up until recently, schools where were would be, you know, smaller. Class, right? Yeah, they'd be smaller or uh, situations where older kids would help younger kids and and that kind of thing. I mean, think how much more uh, a lesson is in, is drilled into your mind if you're teaching somebody else. I mean, that's the that's sort of the pattern is to to hear, say, do, teach. Sure, and. You know, <laughs> I don't remember most of the stuff I learned in school, frankly. Well, most of it is useless anyway. Like, I, we always used to ask our math teachers, I remember, when am I ever going to use this? When am I ever going to use this? And a lot of it, I haven't used. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's there are certain fields that use certain types of math, it's no doubt. Sure, but, but it, the average, most, the I, vast I majority of kids are never going to use anything above consumer level math. Yeah, I don't want to go into those fields. Why do I need to know that math? I went and took that math. I guess I enjoyed it, but I, you know, <laughs> I haven't found it particularly useful. I just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't use that stuff. I did, however, uh, you know, was a teacher's aide or something for a class that was consumer math, where they learned addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and all that stuff. And I was thinking to myself, you know, these are the dumb dumbs. But it turns out it doesn't really matter because, <laughs> you know, this this is all you, this is all I've really needed since then. Mm-hmm. So. I, I don't know if they teach them how to average, but that's probably the, the most complicated uh, math 
thing, mathematical thing I've done since high school is averaging something. Wow, yeah. F- uh, figuring out percentages and multiplying them is probably as, as complicated to get, yeah. as it gets for me. She's, I wish I, I could remember how to do that. I don't remember how to do that. So See, I remember all that. But um, how many kids today can't even... I mean, they all use calculators. Yeah, they, pa- they, they can't old, even count. Can't no, they the, cannot. You are not can't kidding. Count, change the rest of... Well, you were uh, in retail, and, and what was your experience as far as that? They cannot count. I can count change, but they cannot. Yeah. Free Talk Live, 855. Nine out of ten. <laughs> Nine out of ten of them? Yeah. Jeez. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. You know the U.S. dollar is devaluing. You can see it happening every day. You know a new currency will take over at some point. Wouldn't you like to be in on the ground floor? Bitcoins. They're a decentralized, anonymous internet currency. They're free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use them anywhere in the world. Find out more at weusecoins.org. Don't be kicking yourself in the pants in a month. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. <laughs> that's right. Talk like, it's, t- talk like a pirate day. It is. Uh, Arr, let it be, me matey Mark. <laughs> Serve up the ale. <laughs> and you can, you can see, see the nonsense. Cam. Uh, cam.freetalklive.com. You don't think pirates drank ale? Yeah, but I mean, they're known for rum. If you're going to talk about sure, pirates sure, drinking sure. That's liquor. because water goes bad on a boat when you don't have refrigeration. <laughs> Can't drink rum all the time. You got to get some kind of hydration. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they love rum. And, and you got to eat lemons, too, so you don't get the scurvy. <laughs> Is that no? Actually, it's limes. I'm sorry, and that's why. Is that what the limes go on? <laughs> well, that's what. Uh, that's why Brits are called limeys, actually. I see. I thought it was yep. a, because I put in my Cuba Libra. Yeah. So, <laughs> You can see the the action in the studio. Chat with uh, other folks that are watching the cam, listening to the show at cam.freetalklive.com. There's also archives for free, going back to 2006 at archives.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live loves you so much, we give away our programming for free for you. You can take it anywhere with you. MP3s, load them up on your MP3 player, do gardening or exercise or you know your commute, whatever you'd like. The phone line is brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. It's uh, owned by Jason Osborne, principal over there, and he loves liberty, loves Free Talk Live, supported us for years, and you can support him by checking out SACL CAI, their banner is the top one at uh, freetalklive.com, and it's on the right-hand side of the page. Got a disturbing story here. It's not exactly for hot off the presses. I've been holding it as a backup because, frankly, these stories are getting far too common. In the news business, you're supposed to report zebras, not horses. But, frankly, cops shooting dogs is turning into horses, not zebras. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot. I mean, it's 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 as common as cops, uh, you know, arresting people for videotaping. Let me go into it here. It's from Examiner.com. An Alameda Alameda sheriff's threatened to kill paraplegic man's dog in marijuana raid. An Alameda County medical marijuana patient is reeling after sheriffs raided his garden and threatened to kill his pet dog today. 
Jason Rivera, paraplegic who suffers severe chronic pain, was detained by sheriffs presenting a warrant at his recording studio. The warrant was based on a tip of an anonymous informant, said Rivera, recounting the statements of deputies uh, on the scene. As sheriffs executed the warrant at the studio, one asked Rivera about searching his home. Rivera said the deputy threatened to kill his dog if he didn't cooperate. We can do this the easy way, and you can take us to your house to look around, Rivera recounts the deputy, saying, or we can detain you for six hours while we get a warrant and go to your house and shoot your dog. What is the point of, I mean, that is just unnecessary. It's punishment, and um, they want you to react. Um, If you react upon them shooting your dog, then they have a a reason to shoot you. And these hyped-up adrenaline junkies, I know, they're out there right now. Oh, God, these guys, we don't will go and, you know, strap on our SWAT gear and carry our MP5s hoping to shoot anybody. And, you know, maybe there's the odd SWAT guy that doesn't, but... Most of the most of the cops out there that get on SWAT teams are the young guys that are hyped up adrenaline junkies, and they really do want to hurt people. I just can't imagine ever like the the mindset that goes with you better do what I say or I'm going to shoot your dog. I you know, I mean, I, I can only come to this conclusion. SWAT raids are generally not done to protect society they're generally done to go after people who are you know peaceful people who have some kind of substance to give uh, psychopaths something to do with in their spare time yeah and and now the it, it has become the trend to just shoot the dog when you go in sometimes they'll shoot dogs that are in crates that are locked up and they'll shoot them i know well part of it is that you know you if you're in a situation like that, you're going to – a cop, I mean, and you're going to be psyched up. You know, you're getting all these heavy weapons, you know, and all this body armor on you. You're going into this situation, you know, and you're with all these other guys. Testosterone's running high, you know, and you're just pumped. You're amped. You're amped. You're amped. And, and like, you're just going to react. You're not going to think things through. You're just going to react. Plus the fact that you know that you're not, likely not going to be held responsible for any action. You can shoot a dog and get away sure. with it. I mean, sure. the news is covered right. with those stories. If you forget – Lose all your morals for one second and think about how it would feel to strap on a black suit, you know, and a bulletproof vest and kick someone's door down. It'd be exciting. Exactly. Absolutely. Sure. And, but, but think about this, Julia. Think after you've kicked in 50 doors and nothing happens. Right. Then you think need more the same excitement. Thing every time, you know, people hold their hands up and they don't do anything. You need, you know, it, it needs to keep on getting increased and increased. And this is how, sadly, Peace officers have turned into these people that escalate the situation. I actually had a cop at an airport, you know, say to me, you got a problem? Just like a bully on the playground saying, you got a problem? Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to get patted down. I asked, please don't touch me. And suddenly I've what got a, a problem. What a weird request. Yeah, right. Don't touch me. Don't, don't grab me there, Mr. You're not my daddy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just doesn't sure, make any sure. sense. So the killing of family pets by SWAT officers during marijuana raids has generated numerous headlines recently, including chilling video of a raid in Columbia, Missouri, where a man's dog was shot seven times while the man's seven-year-old child seven slept. Seven times. In the next room. I believe uh, in that case that the floors were tile. And I want you to try to imagine what, um, you know, for one, cops... When I've seen these uh, the videos, oftentimes there's more far more bullets discharged than happen to hit the target. So 
bullets flying everywhere. Right. Tile floors, things can ricochet. Also, you're throwing up shrapnel from the uh, the tile floor. Uh, these most houses have uh, you know walls made of of uh, you know just this Jimson uh, board or whatever. It's not going to stop pieces of shrapnel it can fly right through and kill the kid now i i don't think most cops i do not think most cops want to kill children I, just I, dogs I, I, right for, i think they want they don't care about your dog and they want uh, to see bad people react in a way that they can punish them uh for being bad people for i think that's what they're really trying to do but i think that they don't they think the kids are innocent there have been some situations where young children have been shot usually my uh, minority children mm-hmm. and I'm you know, sure the cops don't like that, but they probably don't lose too much sleep over it either. If you have children's interest in mind, though, do you think that going and shooting their dog seven times isn't going to mess them up for life? Sure, sure. I mean, everybody who's ever seen the movie Old Yeller knows that people love their dogs. Yeah. Also, um, if you have children, uh, children's uh, best interests at heart, do you think taking their parents away from them, even if their parents smoke pot or sell pot or um, you know sell other drugs, really? I mean, really, you think Especially the best thing for these kids is to take their parents away? If you go away? home and you as... drink a glass of whiskey at night. <laughs> yeah, they're branded as bad, and therefore it's okay. It makes know, it easier. It's better for the children this way. So They always have this way of rationalizing it with them because these people are bad. They have to sleep at night. In these cases, police spokespersons defended the actions of the officers by explaining that in these no-knock raids, securing the premises and eliminating immediate threats to officers' safety is standard operating procedure. Rarely are any officers punished for wanton killing of these animals that are merely defending their homes from intruders. And a lot of times, I mean, the videos I've seen are I, I, I can two of them off the top of my head. This cop basically catap, cat, decapitates with a shotgun, like a golden retriever that comes up to him on the side of the road, wa- wagging its tail. I remember that story. They pulled him over. Yep. And that they shot the dog when just at like a traffic stop, and the whole family was in the car. And another one was a bulldog that uh, you know they're t- telling the cop, "Let's close the doors. The dog doesn't get out." He lets the dog get out and then sh- shoots it. It's crazy. Another one, um, the cop pulls up, I think, to ask directions of a homeowner. Gets out of his car. The, the dog comes running up. I mean, he's on like a, a clearly a dirt road where not a lot of tr- uh, you know traffic comes through. The dog comes running up to the cop. The cop shoots him in his own yard. Huh. I mean, these are the videos. The stories are numerous. The videos are more more rare sure. because obviously, who's expecting some cop to shoot their dog? Yeah, but you, you just have to have the video camera trained on the cops. A- any interaction you have. In a couple of these cases, it has been the uh, the, the the police's dash cam um, that has caught it. And frankly, I have one going in my car all the time. I'm my car is always it's being easy videotaped. For those dash cams to. Find, somehow disappear though. Yeah, but the, we the, read the a story are, about yeah, it, about yeah. how they don't have to keep them in Happ- Texas somewhere. Happened to a friend of mine here in New Hampshire. Absolutely. Um, you can get a dash cam at freedomcam.net. Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com.
Talk Live, 855-453. That's a single toll-free call-in line here. The live Monday night edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Luther. And Julia. Go check out the listen options, listening options at listen.freetalklive.com. We have all kinds of listening options. Uh, Free Talk Live is not just a radio program, not just a podcast, but we have live streams, uh, satellites, uh, you know, the satellite options on, uh, we're on XM and Free to Air. The webcam, listen lines, actually the listen lines, you can go dial a telephone number, listen to Free Talk Live, any place that you can get <laughs> cell reception. If you really got to have Free Talk Live, the listen lines make it possible. It's listen.freetalklive.com. Talking about this story out of the examiner.com, it's out of uh, California, Alameda County. And it's, it's a situation where apparently the police got some kind of warrant on a fellow who's in a wheelchair, paraplegic, deals with chronic pain on a uh, regular basis. And they, you know, searched his studio, couldn't find anything. So they wanted to search his home. Well, that makes sense. If you're looking for whatever drugs you're looking for, obviously you want to cover all the bases. This, we know this guy's got pot. He's a pot activist. He deals with chronic pain. He's in a wheelchair. For God's sakes, he's got pot. Let's find it. Well, so they want to go to his house. Well, they have a warrant for his house. So what do they do? They say, hi, hey, we can do this the easy way or this the hard way there, cripple guy. You can take us to your house and let us look around, or we're going to hold you here. Go get a judge to rubber stamp a warrant for us, and we're going to go to your house and shoot your dog. That's a threat. It sure is. Now, of course... They don't have any video of this. As far as I'm concerned, every police officer out there is doing supposedly our work. And if they're doing our work, they should have a video camera and a a microphone built right into their badge. Mm. And that way we can all watch what our cops are doing. I mean, they can have a button for their break time. See what they see. See it through their eyes. They claim that they felt that things were this way. You can see it through their eyes and interpret it for yourself. Indeed. And we're supposedly paying them. It should be right on a website, streamed directly to the internet. That way we can see what happened. Mm -hmm. I I used to work at at a bank and, you know, I was on camera the entire time I was at work. Yeah. Didn't bother me for a second. Because I wasn't doing anything wrong. I don't take money. I, as far as I'm concerned, it, it's almost protecting exactly, me. Exactly, exactly. That's the, the one thing I can't wrap my brain around for these cops, you know, is like, if they want to search your car and you say no, they say, oh, you're hiding something. If you want to film them and they say no, it's not because they're hiding anything. They just have a blah, blah, blah. They're not going to answer any of your questions as to why they do it. They're, they're, they don't have to. No. They, you are their servant they're not yours. Yep. That's the reality of the situation. I mean, I know that they ca- they're called public servants and all that stuff. but And supposedly we pay their paychecks. Yeah, well, the, the money that's stolen from us certainly does go to pay their paychecks. And I know that there are good cops out there. I know there are good ones out there. But I don't think too many of the good ones end up on the SWAT team. Because the good ones aren't hyped up adrenaline junkies. And that's kind of an area that seems to be more reserved for the SWAT teams. And Mm -hmm. the SWAT teams, I don't think there's a lot of guys going, Whoa, Jim, you don't need to shoot that dog. He's not a threat to you. I just don't think that's happening. I think that these guys don't get the opportunity to shoot too many people. 
That's what they're hoping to do. That's why they're geared up. That's why they've got the, the, the you know these machine gun looking things. I don't. They know didn't they're... play enough violent video games when they were kids. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that makes them want to do this. I don't know if they get kicked around in the schoolyard or they kicked people around the schoolyard. I have no idea what the um the 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 the, the sort of sociological situations are that lead people to be like this. I think that it could start very small. Like I imagine that the first time that you give a speeding ticket. Your heart is racing, right? But when you've given 100 speeding tickets, like you mentioned earlier, giving speeding tickets, it's not very much fun anymore. So then there's the next step, and you start, I don't know, doing small drug busts or whatever, and it just yep. goes up from there. You know, I, I think that you may have something there. There's In my line of work, I don't have to deal with uh, sort of uh, situations where I deal with conflict very much. I know that people think that when people call in on Saturday nights and, uh, you know, question our judgment and, you know, wanting to be free and all that stuff, that somehow that that's, um, you know, an adrenaline rush. And I suppose it is to some extent, but I don't consider that to be an adrenaline rush it's at all. It's nothing like when you get pulled over by a cop and your mm-hmm. adrenaline starts pumping and you don't feel that at all. No, the um, but for me, I had a situation where I had to essentially tell somebody no. You know, there was um, an interview that I I said I would do. I did the interview. It was really bad, and I'm like, you know, can't I can't do this to my listener? Sorry. And it was a really uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to tell this person whom I had told yes to no. So I mean, I felt like I was growing back on my word. I felt like all all kinds of things, and it really created a lot of tension. The person was very upset and all kinds of stuff. Um, and you know, it, it was uncomfortable, but it did cause a lot of adrenaline. And I wonder to myself if uh, if I had some mentor standing behind me saying, "Hey." You're going to do this and it's going to be a blast. You're going to really, you know, get a big charge out of this. If I would have taken a different look at the situation, instead of trying to feel empathy for the person who is, uh, you know, has a bad situation happen to them, rather, instead, I'm thinking to myself, what am I getting out of this? Am I getting a good adrenaline rush or, or whatever? Is this fun? Um, then. Maybe I could have looked at it differently and, and come to the conclusion that this was a fun thing to do and wanted to do it to more people and, you know, set up interviews with people that were, you know, not going to be good interviews. And then that way I could tell them, no, you stink. Get out of here. Ha! And then maybe, you know, cut segments out of it and, you know, do it as use it as show show prep. People could listen to, you know, people like to hear stuff like that. They like to hear, uh, you know, prank calls and people get, get punked, I believe is the, the terminology. Uh, to me, it, it it it's not. I don't find it very very entertaining, but you know, I'm sure some folks do. So going on with the story here, it says um, the you know they're talking about how you know in some cases police officers need to uh, um, during SWAT raids kill animals that are you know threatening them. Of course, they're in their house. You're sure, in the animal's sure, house. Yeah, that's why you get a dog, isn't it? You know, so that it'll bark if somebody tries to break in. In um, this, they're talking about this specific case here. In Rivera's case, however, uh, we have officers who are obviously aware that there's a dog in his house. He's claiming they're claiming they're going to shoot it. They cannot justify using force against the animal when they have plenty of time to contact animal control and deal with the potential threat humanely. This threat is nothing more than an emotional emotional terrorism by our domestic police force to trample a, uh, a disabled man's Fourth Amendment rights in a crusade over a plant. And that's what this really comes down to. And I think in more cases than just them, you know, I I, I suppose I get it. You know, some dog comes rushing at you, big Rottweiler, teeth bare and all that other stuff. But in a lot of a lot of these cases, the video I've seen have not been dangerous dogs that were threatening these cops. It was an opportunity to shoot a living thing. 
Yes. And ask any kid who gets his but first BB gun whether or not he wants to shoot something that's living. Because it doesn't take too long. Here, here they're taking a step forward and they're, they're threatening to do it outright, right? Didn't they call him up and yes. said, yeah. So they're not even trying to hide it or sugarcoat it or anything. It, that's a direct threat at this point. You know, if you, you know, don't let us come in or search or whatever, you know, we'll shoot your dog. It's an ultimatum. It um, is it, it is unique in that way. As I, I've heard tons of stories, sadly, where they shoot the dog, but I don't think I've ever heard where they've actually said it beforehand. Uh, the sad thing about this situation is that, um, that you know... <laughs> You can't prove it. I mean, this is just the claim of a guy in a wheelchair that t- that uses medical marijuana because, well, he feels a lot of chronic pain and all the pain meds out there make him sleepy or stupid or whatever it is his complaint is. And frankly, you know, some people, out, no doubt, some people are faking their reasons for having medical marijuana. But I wonder to myself, why should we I, care? Uh, yeah, I, I thought about it when they I moved to Vermont. They were smoking it anyway. They were smoking it anyway. They were just, it was just easy, a little easier for, not even easier for them to get. You just don't have to worry about getting arrested anymore. Is it, is it a good use of our taxpayer money to lock up disabled people for smoking marijuana and then have to take care of their medical situations? You know, really? I mean, now, oh, no, no, they should be taking Marinol. They should be in jail and we should be giving them Marinol or uh, whatever. I've heard a lot of bad things about yeah. Marinol that it makes people sick, you know. Yeah. That, uh, it takes a long time to hit. Yeah, and that you have to take a lot of it. Um, that it's it's not, and plus it's not a natural remedy. You know, it's just more chemicals that they're pumping into you. Right. I mean, why would you want synthetic marijuana? Yeah, it's not even pure THC. You know, which you, which you can extract from the plant in a jelly form, which is uh, the way uh, scientists say it should be administered medically. But they can't patent that. No. THC is naturally occurring, and uh, you know, drug companies don't want something that's naturally occurring. And no natural uh, you know, supplement company can, do, can get the THC because it's illegal. it's illegal. Class a Schedule One drug, the same as cocaine and heroin. I mean, it's, and the reason that it stays that way is because it's easier to fight a drug war on a bulky, stinky substance like marijuana than it is to actually do police work and find yeah. things like heroin and Way cocaine. easier to find pot than it is coke. Yep. And, and, you know, I'm not, I think that people should be able to use whatever drugs they want. If you want to, you know, crush up Trist, Crystal Drano and snort it, I don't care. It's your body. But don't expect me to take care of you. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. You think the drugs should be illegal? Give us, please, a drug warrior. Call in. And now it's time for the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute with tips and advice on controlling your emotions so they don't control you. Here's New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer. I want to encourage you to stop asking yourself how you feel about things, but instead ask yourself if doing something or not doing something is right for you. We should be led by wisdom and what is right and by the Word of God, not how we feel. Any person who lives by their feelings might as well just stamp destroyed across their life because that's exactly what's going to happen. We all have feelings, but I want to encourage you today to just simply tell your feelings that they no longer get to vote. You know, we may get older and mature in age, but that doesn't mean that our emotions do. If they're left unchecked, our lives will be a series of unfinished and disappointing ventures. Learn to be led by God, not your feelings. For the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information to help you control your own emotions so they don't control you, please visit Joyce Meyer. That's M-E-Y-E-R dot org. 
The average person has 70,000 thoughts every day, and many of those thoughts trigger a corresponding emotion. In Living Beyond Your Feelings, Joyce Meyer examines the gamut of feelings that human beings experience. She discusses the way that the brain processes and stores memories and thoughts. Then, emotion by emotion, she explains how we can manage our reactions to those emotions. Living Beyond Your Feelings, the newest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold. Eight fifty five four fifty free. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on Free Talk Live eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's Mark with you and Luther and Julia. You know, in the last hour we were talking about uh, you know medical marijuana patients and Marinol and things like that. Apparently, uh, Justin has called in, has some kind of uh, thoughts on Marinol experience, perhaps. Justin, uh, hey, how's it going? All's well. So, what are your thoughts on okay, Marinol? Good. Uh, well, I, I remember giving a lecture on uh, cannabinoids, and uh, the reason that Marinol is not an ideal uh, way of uh, delivering uh, THC uh, for medical marijuana patients is because THC by itself is not very pleasant at all. Okay. Uh, as it turns out, I'm sorry? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Marinol is just pure THC, but um, marijuana has multiple uh, psychoact- uh, psychoactive compounds, and uh, one of those besides THC is called cannabidiol. And uh, in order for marijuana to be um, pleasurable, there has to be a, um, a combination of THC and cannabidiol. Okay. In fact, uh, there. There was a uh, documentary on the BBC called Should I Smoke Dope uh, with journalist um, Nikki Taylor, I believe it was. And uh, she um, uh, reenacted an experiment that was that had been done comparing uh, THC versus THC plus uh, cannabidiol. And the THC alone, uh, when she was given that, uh, she felt morbid. Uh, she felt like she was at a funeral. Um, she felt paranoid. Yeah, just it was not a good time. Not a pleasant experience, but, okay. Uh, right, but on the day that she was given the THC plus cannabidiol, uh, she was practically falling out of the chair laughing. Uh, you know, it was a pleasant experience. And, uh, hmm. you know, so, that, so that's one reason that... Uh, that uh, medical marijuana, uh, from a pharmacological standpoint, is superior to um, uh, Marinol. Gotcha. You know, Marinol is just pure mm. THC. Is it so. more effective? Is, is you know, is it is Marinol effective in handling the pain that these people experience, or not? Uh, I, I think so. I mean, it's it's FDA approved. You know, for what that's worth. <laughs> I don't know but, that that means uh, that it works. I think that means it just doesn't kill people. Yeah. <laughs> or too, yeah. Uh, too I, I, many that's people. That's even debatable. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, I, don't, I honestly don't, don't know how. You're just talking about the cannabinoids of, and yeah. what their reactions were in the mind. Gotcha. Right. All right. Well, I appreciate the information, Justin. It's uh, certainly, you know. If I had the option of taking a, a drug that made me happy versus a drug that made me sad, 
it'd be the drug that made me happy that I would prefer to take. You know, just what I need, a painkiller, that I need to have a freaking, uh, you know, <laughs> some kind of mood-enhancing drug. They have antidepressants for that. Yeah, right. That, we got that for, for that. <laughs> Let's go to Leo in Oregon. Leo. Uh, hello. Hey, I, uh, that's a, a pretty interesting topic you guys are discussing. I, I hate to switch gears. Um, it's Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I, you know, I, uh, a group of us, I work uh, with the city, and uh, a group of us have been pushing to switch our, our work schedule to uh, five nine-hour days and then four nine-hour days and then have every other Friday off. And uh, uh, the, uh, the word came down the pipeline today that that's against state law. And uh, it just seems kind of fishy to me that that would be the case. And uh, I don't know if you guys have – is that a state thing, uh, you know, working? They're saying because of that, that first week is five hours over 40, and so it's not it's – not, uh, Maybe, maybe the public sector union, uh, you know, made a negotiated that um, nobody will have a four, more than a forty-hour work week, and so therefore, working forty-five hours one week and then thirty-five hours the next week uh, somehow violates that. And yeah. I, I couldn't say. I mean, I well, have, have I, no idea. Okay, it, it's um, it kind of reminds me of some jobs will have the schedule of what's called what's known as four tens, where you work four ten-hour days, yeah. and then you have a three-day weekend. Yeah, and that's what we originally put in for the a proposal to do. And I cited, you know, cited several examples of, uh, for example, the state of Utah doing it. And there's another county um, here in Oregon that's on four tens year round, and that's what our push was for. But I guess change just comes slowly. Oh, indeed. Uh, you know, um, it, it just didn't meet with good uh, reception on the higher, you know, the couple upper management people were a little upset about it. Well, you know, um, any any idea that is not your own is generally a bad idea. And in this case, um, you know, upper management has no reason at all to try to to uh, you know solve any problems for you guys down there on the uh, the the end of it all. So you know, they're just going to do whatever they feel like. Ah, yeah, that sounds like a bad idea. And uh, off they go. Yeah. Uh, Leo, yeah, I, I wish I, I wish I would have known beforehand. We could have talked to everybody. I just didn't think it would be that big of a deal. And, uh, you know, I have another uh, question that's been bugging me. That I Just one second before you go on. Uh, yeah, Luther be- has a question for before you. Before you go on, uh, what, what is uh, the benefit of having uh, this 45-hour week and then a 35-hour week? Is it just that you can have a Friday off? Well, I have a personal benefit to it. Uh, I'm a single dad, so and uh, the, the courts have afforded me in my parenting plan, they've afforded me uh, uh, three day, three days, uh, three days every weekend with my daughter. So, okay. Um, so for me, that's the personal issue. Um, but you know, there is no, you know, I, I actually submitted a, a, you know, data backing up. You know, there's actually been, you know, empirical data. There's been studies as far as uh, there are pros and there are cons. But a lot of people like that extra time. And one of the benefits of working a a uh, four uh, a forty hour week in four days versus five days is that you have that fifth day to take care of personal business and you don't have to take as much time off at work. What are the cons? And, uh, what are the cons to a four uh, four day work week? They're mostly that uh, they mostly have to do with scheduling. Uh, they I mostly see. have to do with scheduling and uh, 
you know, not having, you know, uh, uh, working around each other. But, you know, as far as me and my partner, there's only two of us. And the thing is, we're on four tens in the summertime, and it works fine. So, you know, continuing on that schedule. You just want it to half the year? I mean, (laughs) it doesn't seem like this would be that difficult to get done, does it? No, it doesn't seem like it because, you know, we're we're there and we're we're actually more available to the public, uh, you know, because we're we're present for more hours during the day and we have uh we have the staggered day days off. So, uh some crews have Monday off and some crews have Friday off. This is the nature of the state. It is a an, it is an organization that intends to stay static as much as it possibly can and even people who would, you know, work for it, who would benefit and their lives would be better. It just, you know, it it is just antithetical to change and progress and it's it's sad to hear, Leo. I I wish you luck with it. 855-450-3733. You can give us a call at Free Talk Live. Talk about your experience trying to trying to get some kind of change and sense made out of the government. It's sad. Let's go to Nick in Illinois. Nick? Hi. I almost called in earlier after a particular post-dinner time conversation left me disillusioned with the possibility that I would ever convince my parents of the ideas of liberty. Okay. And, and as I wrote out what I was going to say on the air, it occurred to me that I must never have struck the root with either of my parents. All right. There's a bit of, there's a, bit of a backstory here, but I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, so, in, as you know, Obama's new tax plan was unveiled today. And uh, as I was sitting down to watch the news on my TiVo, uh, my dad mentioned how Obama unveiled the tax plan. And it called... What is that? What? <laughs> funny uh, noise. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> somebody else must have picked up another phone. Okay. That happens. Okay. Um, uh, where was I? Oh, Obama's uh, Obama, new tax plan. Dad tells you about it. Oh, yeah. And it called for the rich to pay their, quote, fair share. That's right. Knows. Warren Buffett said that he pays only 70% of his income in tax. That's right. Warren Buffett gets to speak for all the rich people. That's for sure. Nick, please hold the line here. We're going to find out huh, what your conversation with your parents was like. It's always interesting trying to have conversations with people about liberty you know, inform them of the ideas, and especially when it comes to parents. You know, parents don't have a lot of respect for the kids' ideas. Free Talk Live. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. You want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers, too. Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com Eight fifty five four fifty free. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on Free Talk Live with Mark and Oops. Julia. Luther, try that again. Oh, uh, what if you found out the best liberty activists from around the world were moving to the same place in order to achieve liberty in their lifetimes? Would you want to join them? It's happening, and you can be a part of it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Changed our lives, you know? Yeah. I picked up and moved to the Free State Project. has become an adventure since I came here. <laughs> well, your life was an adventure already, my friend. That's true. So, uh, we were talking with uh, Nick in Illinois about uh, 
his discussions with his parents about uh, the ideas of liberty. And I think a lot of people deal with uh, this kind of situation, dealing with people in their families, uh, talking to them about the ideas of liberty. Julie and excited. I certainly did. Yeah. So, Nick, mm-hmm. tell me the story. Quick, yeah, quick recap. I had a post-dinner time conversation with my parents about Obama's new tax plan, which calls for the rich to pay their, quote, fair share. When my dad mentioned that Warren Buff, uh, what Warren Buffett said about how he and his class are not paying their fair share, I said mostly to myself, oh, so it's only fair as long as everyone is getting 30% of their money stolen to fund the wars. And what I meant by that is that uh, you know the, the secretary is being taxed too much. Nobody's really talking about that. But anyway, it was really chaotic. So a lot of what we said kind of went past each other. And dad was dealing with his parents, and I was dealing with my three-year-old nephew who was desperately vying for my attention. Yes. In the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. But one thing I remember Dad saying to Mom was something like, and now the Republicans are calling it class warfare, picking on the rich, and that made Mom almost choke on her drink. I didn't want to contest him on that point because I felt like that would be a distraction. I didn't want to come across as some kind of defender of the rich like Fox News, you know. So instead, after the chaos dined down some... But, you know, this this point, before you go on, this point tends to, for me, it seems to me that if you can tax rich people for what they have because it's bad that they've got more than you have, then you can tax anyone for anything, which means that you can, at, at that point, the, the state essentially just decides how much of your stuff it's okay for them to steal. And that's not a good position for any of us to be in, it seems to me. Oh, yes. And I'm, I'm getting to that. Okay, go ahead. So- so instead, uh, after the chaos had died down some, I tried to strike the root. I said, Dad, what happens to that secretary? Because, you know, I didn't want to sound like I was defending Warren Buffett, so I f- focused on the secretary. What happens to that secretary if she doesn't pay her 30%? And all he said was, I'm too tired to care about Warren Buffett's secretary. And that was, you know, I don't blame him for that. That's a legitimate statement, sure. Yeah, he, he works really hard and doubly so taking care of his parents. But what really frustrated me is that I thought I had gone there before. Like, when I explained how unfair it was for a demo to get sentenced to jail for mouthing off to a judge, I thought at that time that I had gotten my dad to see the violence in the system and how unfair it is to have this class of people called the state who rule over others. Well, this is um, this is a, a situation that's true for essentially any conversion process. Um, and I often will use religious conversions as an example. And the fact is that the ideas of liberty aren't politics. They're morality. And that's, you know, it makes what we do here on Free Talk Live for, far more like preacher radio than what they do on the left or right talking head shows. We almost never talk about the politicians here. They're talking about the horse races all the time. You know, the one politician we talk about is Ron Paul because, well, he's been very consistent uh, throughout his career. Yeah, so, in my house, it's all about politics and policy, and I think maybe I've been approaching it from the wrong angle all this well, time. And policies, uh, policy is morality because uh, yeah. it's it's the implementation of the you know the the violence of the state. So I think that that's uh, you know perfectly legitimate. Yeah. So I went to strikethe.root.com and found this article titled "Government is Force." And I sent it to my dad because he was too busy to really talk. And I'm still waiting back on his reaction to that. But I got my mom alone in her study, and I read it aloud to her. And as it turns out, I really had never brought this up with them before, not quite so eloquently as it was put in that article, uh, because I I cornered her in her um, in her office, not really cornered. She was there, and I, I came in and I sat, and uh, I Nick. Oh, I lost my material. <laughs> oh, well, I'll recall it from memory. Okay. All right. So I, I read her the article. And I talked to her 
after I read some of it aloud, and she looked very thoughtful. She said it was interesting, and I was surprised. I, I said, uh, you mean I've never brought any of this up before? Uh, apparently I hadn't. And I, I read the rest to her and had a little more explanation about where I was coming from and why I had misgivings about the unveiling of Obama's new tax plan and the idea that anyone has a, quote, fair share to pay. The, the best parts of the article are, first of all, it, uh, it covers some of the ground that everybody's familiar with. Because, uh, you know, people don't understand why libertarians dislike government, and they assign these, these motives to them, like, you must hate poor people. And, uh, and, and then I read the part about, but what's so hard to understand, government is violence. It's the only institution that is given a monopoly on the legitimate use of violence. Right, and, 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 and it's supposed to rule over other monopolies. I mean, you know, the, the monopolies are bad, unless, of course, the government, which is a monopoly, will grant a monopoly in that particular area. Um, you know, I mean, somehow or another, monopolies are bad until... I mean, I don't, I don't understand how people even live in this world, this crazy, mixed-up world where the government's not a monopoly and the monopolies that the government grants are okay, but any other monopolies are bad and business is bad. I, I don't, it's bizarre to me. Yeah, I don't really understand why being rich is bad. I want to be rich. Yeah, well, she didn't understand that. She had never heard of that definition of government as a monopoly on legitimate use of force. I love there's uh, I, you know, I can't pull it up because I don't know anything about the soundboards around here or anything like that. But uh, Ian has it um, has has it here on the the soundboard somewhere where uh, he can pull up Barack Obama saying that uh, you know gov- government has the monopoly privilege on the the use of violence and and that's exactly what it is. Yeah, so I I think that. Most people don't really know about these kinds of things that are actually well-known and common in political science circles, because that's what I was taught in political science, is that government is a monopoly on the use of force, but I guess it was just never really carried out to its logical conclusion. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that, you know, like if you really think that if you really think that you're consenting to be governed uh, by these people who decide how much of your money to take, then they basically uh, then you're basically agreeing that they own you. Yeah, I mean that's it's exactly what it is. If the government can take twenty five percent of what you make, then they can take thirty five percent or forty five percent or fifty five percent. And frankly, they're really just lying about how much they're taking because people think of taxes, they think of income tax. Mm. That is just scratching the surface, my friends. I mean, you know, buy something, they're taking nine percent in sales tax. Uh, you know, your everything, everything that you buy, the cor- the corporations that have made it have been taxed. So there's uh, you know, there's that. 20 or 30 tax in there yep and uh, there you know you've got to pay that because well there's no no corporations are choosing to uh to do their um you know do business for free they're not they're not doing it in order to uh to do a public service they're doing it to make money and so therefore they've all their costs are built right in so we the 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 folks on the end of this are you know paying all these taxes and that's why tax freedom day is like in the middle of may that means that the average person is working to pay taxes until the the middle of may that's almost half the year Almost half your money is paid in taxes. One last thing is that I think the most effective part of the article that I had never really gotten gotten to, uh, I had never really said before myself, was was the argument against democracy. Because uh, it says here, in my lifetime, the only elections have been to determine who would run the government, not what its powers, if any, would be. And I think that's one of the most effective points to make against the argument for democracy. Makes sense. Nick, th- Nick thanks for the call. Um, 855-450-FREE on Free Talk Live.
As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Monday edition of Free Talk Live. You've been hearing us talk about Bitcoins for a while now. Maybe you didn't know how to go about getting them. Well, it's there's a new easy way. You can get Bitcoins by depositing cash at thousands of banking locations across the U.S., including Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Once you have your Bitcoins, you can use them to pay anyone in the world with no transaction fees or third parties getting involved. Uh, completely anonymous Internet transaction. It works just like a person-to-person cash transaction, but you can do it over the Internet. To learn more, visit ExchangeBitcoins.com. Again, it's ExchangeBitcoins.com. And let's go to Shadow in Huntsville, Alabama. Shadow? Yeah, hey, how you got, doing, guys? Great. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I was sitting here uh, looking out my window night and got to read an article earlier today, a little spot in there where Joe Lieberman had talked about that he thought it would be cool to cut some uh, programs, you know, that's helping regular folks so they have more money for war, see? And I'm seeing here, you know, you take Afghanistan. They didn't declare war on us. Neither did Iraq. And what it, what it boils down to, if we've got the uh, imams, of course, they call us the great Satan. That's what it looks like. And I don't like that because what we've got going here is this money being spent and want to be pulled away from regular folks is just to murder more innocent people, women, children, babies, you know, in and out of the womb, all like that. And it makes all of us in this country appear like we support all this psychopathic behavior here. Sure. What the readers are doing It's making our troops look like war criminals and murderers. It makes you, me, all the rest of us out here look like that's all that we agree with all that stuff, too, even though we maybe don't, but it still makes us look like that. And I, I don't like this, man. I don't like this at all. And now I'm not a pacifist. I'm a Mohawk, so there ain't no pacifist among my people. But war, if it's self-defense, that's one thing. You know, like we have back in the old days when people trying to take our lands. Sure. I mean, but there's a, there's a completely different difference, difference between aggressive force and, uh, you know, reciprocal force. Yeah. Definitely on that. And one other thing I'm just going to say this. When you were talking with the other guy, I recognize the idea of Chairman Mao. You know, when you say the government monopoly on force, Chairman Mao says power comes out of the barrel of the gun. Absolutely. It's, it's, the same. It's, it's the only thing I know that he said that, uh, that, that that is a true and accurate statement. I can't say I've spent a lot of time studying Chairman Mao, but that's exactly well, where either, the government's but... force comes from. <laughs> What's that? I haven't either, but I just remember uh, you know, I took economics and government in high school, and we all had to read uh, Karl Marx, you know, the uh, uh, Communist Manifesto, so, you know. <laughs> I remember a little bit from it anyway. I'll bet you kids aren't reading that at all in high school right now. You no. know, I, I, I would imagine they're not even touching stuff like that. because in, in, Unless you're, I guess some teenagers are like the more rebellious ones who oh, gravitate. choosing to read it. Yeah, who choose to read it. But, but other than that, I wonder no. if they even understand what they're reading. It seems like you need discussion um, for 
you know, teenagers to really grok what they're dealing with there. Well, I come up through Vietnam and all like that, so uh, we had it in our high school because the teacher said, well, you guys are going to be drafted probably, and so I just want you to see what it is you'll be fighting, you know, so you don't go over there ignorant. So that's why we had to read that. So. Makes a certain amount of sense to me. I think that kids should be exposed to, uh, you know, different philosophies. I Obviously, I can't support many of them, but um, exposure is, is a good thing. Yeah, but you know what you're fighting against anyway, man. Yeah. Indeed. Shadow, thanks for the call. All right. 855-450-3733. That's the uh, Free Talk Live toll-free call-in line here, sponsored by SACL CAI. I think I was a little fast on that. I dropped him before I got to finish saying all right. So, Julia, you had another article for me? Uh, well, I thought it was I, th- I thought it was interesting in that it, it raises an interesting issue. And using interesting twice in the same sense, terrible English. <laughs> but, you're in, but you're interested, I, nonetheless. I, I, I yes. think earlier I said situational you did. situation. You did. So, so we'll let this slide. So the <laughs> article is called, Should Homeless People Work for Their Keep? And uh, apparently in the city of Austin, Texas, they're debating this right now. <laughs> this is a debate. Should Austin's homeless people be put to work at the city-financed shelter? It's a question that the that fronts- the shelter they're staying at, they're staying at. Yes, exactly. So that hold on, are you? I guess they're what they're saying is is that there are people that uh, that are cleaning up after the homeless people at the shelter currently. Right. That and sounds insane to me. You know, I bet a lot of people out there would would say that this is wrong or something. I don't understand why you shouldn't work. I work for my bed and my food. Don't you? I, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if I could call what you do work, <laughs> but, but you have worked in your life. <laughs> well, I mean, I make telephone calls during the day to, uh, to to raise money. They, uh, admittedly, a salesman's life is not exactly the, but the most difficult your one. Your boss you is a crazy no anarchist, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Having to deal with uh, the Ian, who is hardly my boss. You should, yeah. see, you should see our contract. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen it. So anyway, to me, like, just the question, should homeless people have to work for their keep at the city-funded Yes, I have to work for my keep. Like, I, why are you exempt? It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, when I was, I'm thinking that this make, draws up. Uh, you know, my thoughts here are um, prison. I spent eight years, six months of my life in prison, and uh, you're darn right, the convicts we didn't have maid service. Good lord! I mean, admittedly, the work of the guys that cleaned up the dormitory was not difficult. Uh, I mean, I. I, I how hard can it be when every uh, every workday, Monday through Friday, you clean this same thing? I mean, it's uh, admittedly there are twenty guys there, and they probably aren't the cleanest guys in the world. But it doesn't take eight hours to clean a dormitory. And the housemen, um, this is the guys that uh, clean the house, uh, the clean the housing units. The housemen, eh, they sleep the rest of the day. I mean, it's not like they got tough work. No. So to to start the story. Last week, I wrote a story about how maintenance costs at the Austin Research Center for Homeless People. That's an interesting name for me. Homeless Center called Austin Austin Research Center Center. for Homeless. It's weird. Uh, Are they researching homeless people? I don't know. Let's put them in this environment and see what they do. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's add stimuli to the environment. Let's give them liquor. Let's give them lightning. So the uh, maintenance costs at the Austin Resource Center, Research Center for Homeless People. Maybe are... it's resource. Is resource? No, that would make a lot more research. sense. To... Okay. 
I don't know. It would make a lot more sense to me. I'm, you know, when you look at the story through the microphone, you become kind of cross-eyed. I know. I, it's absolutely <laughs> true. There is no good setup for, for reading these no. stories with the microphones. I, I I tried at one point getting some of those Sennheiser headphones. I remember. Had the, had the little microphone in front. And it sounded like we were talking, I was talking through a tin can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the best, we have the best mics that money can buy, essentially. Uh, I, I think it's one step down. Um, there There's a slightly better mic, but it it's all really for singing not for for uh, talking and as far as talking goes we have as good a mic as you could possibly need and so the you know the audio comes out great but as a result you've got this big arm that's in your way and it's difficult to read the story yeah well, you, you can could, try to push it to the side but you then your head has to turn just talk out of the corner of your mouth like this well that's what a lot of times you'll end up doing just just yeah, that yeah but uh, yeah are these directional? Do you have to be like right into them? Pretty close. I yeah, think so. Yeah. Your, your, your mouth has to be right on top. Definitely. Of okay. But anyway, homeless people <laughs> yeah. are piling up because the facility is being used by four, far more people than it was designed to house. And that's the way it's going to be. If you yes. have a good facility, people are going to want to use it. In addition to the $100,000 plus the city spends each year to maintain the seven-year-old building. Now, why would a seven-year-old building be in that terrible of shape? Seven years isn't that old. Um, They're saying it costs $100,000 to maintain it because <laughs> nobody owns it, so nobody cares about it. That's really what what ends up happening. When you have a situation where you're you know, giving people free housing and they kind of consider it to be uh, you know, a right, uh, an entitlement, it's just not going to get taken care of. The fact is... Homeowners take much better care of their property than renters do, and these people are you know, not even renting. They're not even responsible for their actions. Think about your first new car that you got or new, you know what I mean, yeah. the newest car you've got. When you first have it, especially when you first have it, I mean, you don't want anybody to even sit in the thing. Yep, you like, take really good care of it, absolutely. Or if you're driving your mom's car when you're 16, you're not really as careful. No, nope, no, it's somebody else's problem, and that's just how that goes. But you right. get a 16-year-old their own car. Even if it's junk, they're going to take care of it. It's more true. So. Most 16-year-olds will do this. Obviously, it's not true in every case. 855-450-FREE. SACL toll-free call in line here on Free Talk Live. You can give us a call. What do you think? Homeless people, should they be made to work? 855-450-3733. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. Spendbitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From spendbitcoins.com, you can spend your bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend bitcoins, go to spendbitcoins.com. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at fff at fff.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's fff at fff.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You might be able to squeeze your call in if you call us at that number, 855-450-3733. If you're calling in on the amp line right now, sorry, 
I can't screen any calls. I do the screening during the uh, breaks. That's why it's better to call the main number at 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. So, Julia, let's continue with this. Uh, oh, real quick, I've got to plug the AMP program. If you like what we do on Free Talk Live, spreading the ideas of liberty far and wide on more than 110 radio stations across the country to XM channels. We are probably the biggest voice of sort of the, the, the pure liberty message out there available to the listening public. You can support us by, well, g- g- joining our subscription program at amp.freetalklive.com. It's just three bucks a month is all we ask for. And you get a commercial-free podcast and a couple of other bennies. It's amp.freetalklive.com. Also, you can uh, support us by shop- doing the shopping you do online at shop.freetalklive.com. Whether it's uh, Amazon or Newegg, it's shop.freetalklive.com. Julia, continue with the story, if you would. Okay, so homeless shelter in Austin. $100,000 a year is what the city spends to maintain it. In addition... It plans to spend nearly $700,000 to fix the plumbing, roofing, mold, and other problems. Front plumbing, roofing, and mold in a seven-year-old building. $700,000. Mm. I think that could be done a little cheaper if it wasn't the government. It could be. It, it seems high to me. I, what do I know? Maybe I, it's huge. I, 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 I would guess. Yeah. Front Steps, the nonprofit group that is paid to run the facility, says the shelter is serving hundreds more people every day than the building was designed to handle. I'll bet. Thus, parts of it are wearing out faster than anticipated. I'll bet. That story led several readers to contact me with this question. Why is the city paying $100,000 a year for maintenance when it has all this free labor under its roof? Why don't they make the homeless people clean and maintain the building? We feed them, Austin Reader says. We care for them. Why don't they work a little? And see, it makes perfectly good sense to me. I mean, I can hardly yeah. imagine that somebody else is mopping these floors. Really? This reminds me of a story when I was living in Portland. Uh, Maine has a lot of homeless people because they make it really easy for you to survive as a homeless person there. I mean, like kids as young as 18, you know, we're just as soon as they get out of high school, they don't work. They just go on the welfare program and, and become homeless because right. it's so easy to do. I, and I'm not going to claim for one second that there aren't homeless people that need help. Sure. I'm not going to claim that at all. Sure. But I do know that the insurance industry, which polices fraud, claims that 25% of claims are fraudulent. I can only imagine that when you don't police fraud very well, and just about anybody can go into a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter if they're willing to put up with the digs. Yeah. Um, if you're not policing fraud, then you're going to have a higher level of fraud. As far as I'm concerned, if the public is paying for a homeless shelter and somebody is sleeping in it that doesn't need it, they are committing fraud. Well, what this reminds me of is there was a story uh, that somebody I work with told me where they tried to start a program where they were giving the homeless people jobs to do, and a lot of them just didn't want to do it for whatever reason. I'm sh- I wouldn't doubt that for one second. Uh, there was a story uh, where they were the kicking in Georgia they were kicking out migrant labor because they wanted probationers, people on probation who would go to prison if they didn't do the work they were told to do. They wanted them to do the farm labor and most of them couldn't make it through the first day. That's just goes to show. I mean that that's tough work and it just goes to show that these people are not used to this level of labor. Wow. Let's talk to Johnson in Connecticut. Johnson. Hey, so I guess my, um, you know, obviously I want to see people who are homeless work for their, you know, earn their keep. But I think the problem is, is that a lot of these people are crazy. Some. <laughs> they're crazy and they're yep, Drug some addicts. Are. Sure, some are. Yeah. I, I, you I know, 
I, John, I, Johnson, I spent a certain amount of time in prison, and I can tell you a crazy man can clean a toilet. Well, yeah, some crazy men can. I'm some sure. can't. There's absolutely tr- it's absolutely true. But if you start making men clean toilets, then at some point, some of them are going to be disincentivized to stay at the homeless shelter. If you don't make them t- uh, clean toilets, more of them will not be disincentivized, right? I certainly agree with that. I certainly agree with that. I, I just I, my concern would be is that if they start spending a whole bunch of money on on some sort of state program and, and trying to make them, I almost feel like I, my worry is is that it would be more effort to try and make them earn their keep with some of these people. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it it seems like it would be relatively easy to say, hand somebody one of those you know those little loopy toilet brush things and say, hey, you clean this, you go clean the bathroom, you can stay here tonight. I mean, that doesn't sound that difficult. And it already is a state program, which is really the problem. Right. That's that's probably the major problem. It's oh, a yeah. State-run program. If it were like some sort of a private... Well, actually, it's not... No, no. Wait, wait. It's not a state-run program. program. Johnson, it's not a state-run program. It's a privately-run program that gets state money, which is just as bad, frankly. $100,000 a year, apparently, just to keep keep up with the building. I remember reading, and I think it was covered on FCL, like uh, it was probably maybe a year or two years ago, there was some sort of, like, restaurant-slash-shelter that was run by, and it wasn't even it wasn't even just considered a shelter. It was anyone could go in and get a meal. Um, anyone could, and that included homeless people. But they had to, they had to do some work in order to be there. Like, but, but it was open to the public. And that was sort of an interesting thing that was totally privately run that, that, was on FTL because I think it eventually got shut down by the government because it was doing so well. You know, there was a, this is essentially how mutual aid societies have functioned in in this country for a two centuries. This is how they operated. Somebody would say, we've got a problem with poor people. Let's donate a piece of land for the poorhouse. And the poorhouse would have a piece of land. It would have a house on it. They would live there. They would decide amongst themselves who got to stay and who had to go. I'm sure there was a, a great deal of politics and some infighting at them. But let's let's not forget, I'm not looking to incentivize people staying at the poorhouse either. Um, also, they would have land there. They'd be able to grow crops, and they'd be able to, you know, do things with this. And these, they would be able to aid themselves in doing better. And this, you know, <laughs> when they're not when they're not helping themselves, they're just going to be helpless. And that's really my biggest issue with it is that like the helping themselves. I mean, if you have nowhere to stay at all you have no family you have no friends who would be willing to take you in for oh, a short they, while they, yeah, likely they do they've just used them up over that's time. what i mean what kind of a person are you if i was starving and i came to you mark and i said mark i have nowhere to stay if you let me stay at your house for a month i'll clean your toilets and i'll do yeah. whatever i mean i there's nobody in your life who you could go to what have you done I just, I really do right. wonder about this. It seems to me you probably could get a place to stay if you exchanged labor for it. And I get that there are people that can't exchange labor for it. I, I, I understand that. But I think that there's far too large of a percentage of the homeless population is just people who don't feel like working or who have, uh, you know, interests that outweigh their desire to work. For instance, I'd rather drink than do work or whatever. And mm-hmm. there's there's a net here to catch me. So it becomes the net becomes a hammock. Johnson? I don't know though the program of like start. See, my concern, I guess, in this is that okay, you want you force them to work, then they don't work, then they leave the homeless shelter or something like that, or, or they're finding their way. You know, they're they're doing their drugs and their alcohol and their 
talking to themselves walking along the street. Yep. You know, is, is forcing them to do the work, is that going to rehabilitate them and make them into better people? I don't know that that's the case. I almost feel like instead of focusing on that, you know, maybe maybe you have something, com- the combination of that and some sort of, some sort of rehabilitation. Do but, you think that most homeless shelters, I, I, if, if you can't get somebody to clean a toilet, I don't think you can rehabilitate them, frankly, Johnson. Uh, do you think that... <laughs> If, if, do you think that most homeless shelters do not require work from homeless people? Because I've got to say that this comes as a shock to me. I haven't. I, I did. You know, I, I took a tour and spent some time at the uh, the the Salvation Army in Sarasota, Florida, and I recall them having quite a bit of labor that came from they do the, uh, the people that were living there. Uh, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what happened seven years ago when I uh, toured this facility. But I'm I'm reasonably certain that most places probably get a great deal of labor from their homeless participants, and that yeah, these people in Austin are just bat s crazy for um, you know going <laughs> and giving these these crazy people uh, pedicures. I do agree I with Johnson. Know about it. I know. I know that they have like curfews, and I know that yep, they curfews. You know, a lot of them. You know, they, a lot of them have curfews, and they have requirements <laughs> for searching for jobs, and they've got to do X amount of time, yep, you know, sure. like, and X amount of applications and whatnot. But I don't know enough about how much they're actually requiring as far as work is concerned. I mean, I'm certain it's a good thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I mean, when you're talking about a hundred people staying in a facility. It can't take you more than 10 minutes to do one of the chores. I mean, I can't right. imagine. You're, we're not talking about spending eight, 10 hours a day turning big rocks into little rocks with a sledgehammer in prison. We're talking about <laughs> go scrub two toilets, throw some right. bleach on them. I mean, I, I, and, and, and I just, Johnson, I got to feel like you're never going to rehabilitate somebody who can't or won't do that. Well, and the state is the worst person to do this. You need somebody I with compassion with who really cares. Johnson, thank you for the call. Well, that's another edition of Free Talk Live in the Can. It's been Mark with you. And Luther. And Julia. Thanks for listening.